Hi guys, welcome back to Comics Unscripted, a podcast from Foreign Press Comics. Today, we have a very different kind of episode. We have an ep- This episode is going to be three short interviews all put together. Um, these are all interviews that we've done as part of talking to the creators involved with the Fletcher Cross The Multiverse Waits Project, which is now available at bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross. And what you can do is you can catch um, each of these interviews online or you can listen to them all right here and first off we're going to start off with Derek Crow. he is the editor co-editor and he wrote for the project as well and then we're going to move into Nick Bryan who wrote for the project he wrote the chapter priorities and he has another project available on Kickstarter now called Fairy Fair and then we're going to finally move into a really great conversation with Kevin Lintz who is an amazing letterer he's involved with the comic jam and he edited several stories in this anthology so um, first off, I just want to say, if you haven't yet, please go back, Fletcher Cross, on Kickstarter, you can find it again, I'm going to give you the link again, at bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross, and then, you know, it would mean the world if you back the project for us. We are currently at, I think, about four, almost $1,500, and we have 18 days to go, so, you know, if you could lend us your support, help us, help us get this project funded, and help us get these creators um, what they deserve. So, without further ado, here we go. All right, guys, I am here with Derek Crow, right? How are you doing, Derek? Yes, I'm doing great. How are you? A uh, little bit all right, a little bit all right. Um, so, I guess to start off, um, so you tell us about what your involvement is with the project, uh, Fletcher Cross, for anybody who's interested, it's on Kickstarter at bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross. Um, Go ahead and give us some of your background or your just your involvement in the project, anything like that, however you want to start us off. Well, uh, sometime last year, you asked me to help you uh, come up with this, and uh, you really wanted another head on it. And so I basically, I said yes, and I helped with uh, figuring out the story, the character, uh, the concept. Um, I helped with uh story editing i wrote quite a few of the stories in here uh helped uh curate the uh the teams and everyone uh and everyone involved um i'm also helping put the put the book together for print uh and helping with promotion and all that stuff so basically i've been involved at every conceptual level of this book uh so i guess you could say i'm co-creator i don't know yeah, i mean i've, I've been saying co-editor because i mean editor I, i've been calling myself perfect. editor as well because i mean like i don't know creator feels weird but you I know get that. editor editor just editors yeah so i like i said I, like you said i, I mean you pretty much hit it i just want to need another person and like you've been a big help and all that stuff so we just um went from there um is there anything like about the the topic, like the actual concept of the book that was like particularly interesting to you or the character or anything like that? Well, I remember you uh, initially, at, at the initial level, you wanted something to do with uh, homages to uh, old pulp magazines and old uh, pulp stories, uh, like uh, uh, just adventure adventure stories and so i know i remember going off of that but uh the thing that most interested me was when we uh i don't remember which of us came up with the dimension hopping i think it was you uh i think it was all a joint thing so 
that really uh, appealed to me because I am a big sci-fi person. Uh, I love Doctor Who, all that kind of stuff. Uh, even though it's more time travel, it's the same uh, same idea, and uh, that's why the uh, the portal sort of like uh, uh, inspired by the Doctor Who portal is just really cool. And uh, and so yeah, uh, it's probably the dimensional the, and, and the ability, the dimension hopping, and the ability to uh, explore different realities and how they affect. Fletcher going forward uh and the fact that he is this like arrogant pompous guy who has to uh deal with the fact that his actions are affecting others in ways that he's not thinking about is uh is obviously really interesting and so I'm glad we were able to explore that yeah I I agree I think that I like the dimension aspect it really it allowed not just you and I, but allowed everybody involved to tell like us just a, you could pretty much tell anything you want and do yeah. whatever type of story you want to do. And the only thing that has to stay the same is that there's this, this character. And that's pretty much the only thing that had to stay the same about it. And I think that like I agree with you, that's kind of the the freedom of it was a really um, good part of a really intriguing part of the story. Um, so I guess to go um, a little more broad. Um, why don't you like start us off what's or tell us like what's kind of your um, influences as far as comics go your origin story if you will anything like that um, influences I mean very much anime and manga um, I I've been a lifelong fan of western comics but uh, I probably have a bigger love ultimately for anime and that kind of stuff and uh Hideki Anno, uh Hayao Miyazaki uh Mamoru Oshii um Chiaki Jay Konaka those kind of guys are who I really look up to as far as like western creators it'd be Neil Gaiman, Grant Morrison, Dan Slott, Tom King um those like the things that those minds put to paper they often are very interesting and really uh, filled with really cool concepts and uh is this is the kind of stuff that appeals that they come up with that kind of appeal to me and so uh i really like stories uh like they all have stories that are very introspective while also being bombastic and adventurous and so that's kind of like what I wanted to bring to Fletcher Cross was uh, we had this really adventurous out there story uh, but the core story of the character is very introspective and very like life-changing uh, so that it keeps it it keeps it even though I don't like the word very much it keeps it grounded on an emotional level uh, so that you can still connect with him for, and you can uh, uh see yourself more in his stories and that kind of stuff so uh no i mean like yeah i definitely agree with that it's like like you said a lot of those writers a lot of those and it's the the best writers are the ones that take something that's out there and turn it and keep it grounded at the same time like like you said tom king like mr miracle i think is a good good example mr miracle is fantastic it's, yeah it's like because i mean it's one of the most fantastical things in comics it's like it's magic and sci-fi and weird insanity fourth world stuff but at the end of the day it's just about this dude and so yeah it's yeah. like what is a what's the one thing that the guy who can't escape can uh yeah. he can't escape his thoughts yeah can't exactly escape. 
the the things haunting him and yeah. it's just really great yeah i mean personally i think that like a lot of those stories they get a little too in their head sometimes but i think yeah. that we i think we kind of um found a good balance in in ours right here um what um is there a specific comic or a manga or anime tv anything like that that really like drew you to the idea of there being a writer of that there is someone out there who has made this thing what do you mean by that exactly like like you know because when you're a kid you just like you see things on tv you read a comic whatever and it's just like oh yeah that's a cool thing that's there but like, uh, at what okay. point did you realize that there's like someone behind it someone create someone a regular person made up that idea and wrote down the words that were going to be said and all that stuff is there anything that like kind of made you because you're primarily a writer so is there anything that like stuck out to you that you remember being an influence in that regard yeah um i you know the big the, the most the interesting thing that comes to mind is uh jeff johns's teen titans run um uh, that was a very big influence influence on me growing up um i've always been a teen titans fan fan but that was one of the comics that that was one of the comics that when I started collecting it, I was like, okay, this is the run of this specific writer. And from there, it just kind of, uh, as I started getting into more into comics, um, I was like, I was uh, looking more at uh, uh, writers uh, and artists on certain teams. And definitely the writers are probably what would draw me more so than the art uh, before. That's changed a little bit now, but like Brian Mendez's uh mighty avengers run uh rick remender's x-force run uh dan slot's mighty avengers run is one i'm a big fan of uh uh grant morrison on final crisis uh those and his and his batman run in particular uh so it probably really started with jeff johns's teen titans run because before then i wasn't looking at creative teams more or creators behind something more so than just the uh the product itself like um like there's so much anime now that uh it's that director's thing or that writer's thing versus uh just the whole like uh konaka uh he's done helsing and uh technolize and air gear and all the and uh digimon tamers and all these really interesting things uh that he's put his personal touch on them um that uh uh i've been drawn to so uh ghost in the shell by mama roshi like he didn't write it but his direction direction of style is what really brings that thing to life so it probably started with uh jeff john's team titans run and then just snowballed from there yeah every, everybody kind of has that one thing what's like some people it's a movie like some people it's you know it's a comic but everybody has that thing where you realize like oh and you start to follow that person that like i have the, that, yeah. that's what got me into comics when i realized like oh there's like people who like do this and like that's their whole thing and like the all the little nuances behind it and so um that's a kind of gets me into a different and the next thing i wanted to ask you about was um with, with this project like you've dabbled in other areas like you have gone to school for graphic design and you worked a little bit with this project like you said prepping it for print so a lot of that sort of stuff um and with like the logo and uh, you did some lettering and so like 
I don't know, like what is, what's your what have your experiences been with other roles in comics besides writing because like I like before this like I'd only ever seen you write and then at, and like you edited a couple things for me in the past and so now like I don't know if you want to talk any about like the other roles that you've taken either outside of this project or directly for this project well uh primarily I'm a writer um yeah. mostly because it's what I believe I'm good at and it's the thing I enjoy doing the most um but uh I have I do have some graphic design background it's not super extensive but it's enough that we've been able to put together quite a bit of stuff for I would for say this you're, that, you're pretty good like I would count I would I mean I would ask you to do other stuff like well, I think you're well thank you yeah. um but uh uh I, I have been getting more into editing, which has been a lot of fun. Um, it's something that I try, it, editing is something I try to keep in mind whenever I'm writing. So it's like, I'm not constant. I don't do first drafts very well because I'm constantly editing it as I go. Not just let me get out everything on the piece of paper and then we'll edit from there. That's just not how my brain works. So it's like, even if I write a scene, it's just like, well, could it work better this way? And I'll change it in the moment versus doing it later. Uh, and so I've been trying to get better at editing. I've edited other stories before, not just yours, some that yeah. haven't come out yet. Um, uh, my first ever graphic novel I was hired to do, uh, Lightning Only Strikes Once. Uh, I also was the story editor for the script editor for that, the story editor for that, because it, it may have been adapting something, but I also had to make sure everything worked within the confines of a graphic novel and the graphic novel language versus just being text on a white background um lettering not something i'm the best at yet but it's something i'm growing uh it's something i really want to learn how to do uh more so because i would like to have better skills than just writing or uh or editing but because i'm not very artistically minded or physically artistically minded i don't know how best to put that if i if i spend enough years i could probably mm -hmm. draw decently yeah. but it's not something i come naturally to lettering is more graphic design it's it's more in that realm uh so i think it's something that comes easier to me yeah. so uh it's it's all it's all little skills that i was able to put towards uh this book in different ways yeah to help us uh get through it uh, and it's been a lot of fun so yeah well i like i it hasn't it won't have come out by when this comes out but i talked to kevin lintz about lettering and so kind of he had kind of the same sort of thing and like you'll find like as you get more into comic as people find as they get more into comics is that like as you're especially if you're a writer eventually the story's got to be lettered and lettering i'm not saying it's easy but if no. you take the time you can do a serviceable job you know what i mean you can do something that's not terrible that doesn't take away from your story yeah that, and like and, and as long as you work on it and so like i think that's kind of like where you and i are in similar boats at least in the lettering way where it's like we're not primarily letterers but we're kind of doing it because it's got to be done and yeah. it's a good skill to have and, and lettering is a is is a art form mm -hmm. it's something oh, that for sure. that takes a, a lot of skill it's something that uh if you want your book to look really 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 good definitely hire a great letter however at the end of the day and i think most letters will agree with this 
the important thing is that you have something out that looks serviceable, it's legible, you're able to easily follow it, makes sense, and uh, is a full story from beginning, middle to end. That's what you want people to look at. It absolutely helps. It looks great. It's not a requirement to have something printed and put in front of people's eyes. Um, well, and so, I, I mean, I agree with everything, but to, to backtrack to something else, um, when you were talking about editing earlier and like editing things to fit in a graphic novel type of format, I feel like, especially with this project, you and I kind of have um, not opposite tendencies when it comes to editing, but we look at different things like when, cause we use Google docs. And so whenever we make comments on things, um, it seemed for the most part, most of, excuse me, most of my edits were like very story-based, very like the character wouldn't do this. Why does this happen? Why is this, he doing this? Whereas yours are very much, um, you know, very um, like, structural base like why like this panel's too much like there's too many panels like why these panels could be consolidated like why is this page like this you could push these pages together and I, i'm not and both of those have their merits you know what i mean like yeah yeah, I, don't, yeah I guess i don't know what my what i'm They're asking both. but they seem like our two the two things that like you seem to just then we didn't talk about that it's kind of how it happened and so like our two looks our two things that we were both focusing on seem to like they didn't collide, but we were both looking at different things that were both necessary. So I don't know. I don't know what to say uh, about that, but. No, I, I think what you're trying to say is that um, you caught things within the story mm -hmm. that I missed, but I was able to keep the pacing concise in a lot of areas to where it, because, uh, and, and I, I think for m my uh way of editing as far as like looking at page panel count and all that stuff was it sort of came out by accident happened by accident or kind of by a design by necessity because um i'm a part of a actually you and i are both part of a thing called com the comic jam um and where you tell full stories within normally one page mm -hmm. maybe two if you and the artist agree to that and uh there's a lot of a lot of necessity that goes into being able to consolidate panels on a page to be a specific amount that looks and reads good to tell a full story in a single page and so i think i look at things by a page by page basis of how can i pace this page to where it bleeds into the next page or can i tell a full scene in one page which gives me more content to work with within the within the con, uh, confined page count that I'm working with, um, and so and uh, so I think doing so much that I did with Comic Jam over several years and and telling so many stories through one single page was uh, what led to sort of the idea of like um, instead of uh, decompressing everything. Uh, and letting it all feel like a third of a story within a single 22 pages, like a lot of more mainstream comics are these days. Let's see how much actual content we can get into this uh, mm -hmm. story, but still 
make it enjoyable, make sense, that kind of stuff. Like the more content you can put into a story, uh, I think the better it is because you're giving yourself and your readers more to work with, more to en- more to enjoy. And so it's and it's all about that timing, that pacing, that panel count, all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's all very important to look at in terms of uh, how much can I give my readers but also how much can can I play with because I may want to tell a long story but there's a lot that needs to go into it and I don't want to drag it out for too long so let's consolidate where we can yeah I mean I I, I not to sound like cocky or braggy or anything but I think like I have I have a fairly good grasp on like story at least I know I'm not I'm not saying I'm gonna win an award or anything but no, I think fine. I have a pretty good idea of like you know they need there needs these beats need to be hit the character needs to do this thing everything has to things have to matter you know and that's why like without law country you're a really big help my webcomic that i do like you're a big help because you tell me like hey like these this these three pages you could do this in one page and a lot of that you're right does have to do with the comic jam aspect of it i never really uh thought about that but that's it's it's um it's really it's really interesting uh perspective that like i said i hadn't really uh, thought of but it's it's a big help on the other projects and on this um what for fletcher cross for the multiverse awaits what were um what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced because like we said we've said already you um did take on roles that you weren't necessarily as comfortable with or as familiar with what were some difficulties that you or challenges that you faced or anything in particular um well i'm still working on getting the book ready for print that's probably been my biggest challenge just because um i'm not the best with bleed and all that kind of stuff um it's not an area it's it's not an area that i'm particularly great with so it's still learning experience for me um because whenever we lightning strikes only once or lightning only strikes once uh we i got that ready for digital viewing i got the pdf ready um which was perfect uh but we had to bring in someone else to eventually get it ready for print because i just wasn't a, it, it, they're very different like it is a very different ball game for both of those and uh uh it's that is probably the number one thing that uh my I'm having difficulties with. Um, the other thing has probably just been uh, what uh, balancing this with my everyday life because I do have a day job. I do have uh, a family that takes up a, a lot of my time, uh, and uh, so balancing all of this my my first ever like anthology things they something that i've never been with involved with on this exact level of detail uh has been very difficult but i i'm hoping it to be rewarding uh it has been rewarding seeing everything come together but hopefully rewarding in the sense that we actually get it made (laughs) so yeah no i i i I just want to say i do appreciate because like i know that that's uh, it, no offense but in our pat like the other things we've worked on together like that's that's been a struggle for you like that's and i've dealt with similar things too in my day job 
but and so for both of us that's definitely been something that we both had to work on and getting I'm lucky in that I'm a teacher and so I had my summer off but in two weeks I'm going to be busy busy but you know I'm going to be non-stop and so I'm lucky that I had that little bit to kind of get this stuff organized but I do want to say I do really appreciate what you've done because you've done a lot and done a lot and I know it's pushed your comfort your um your bound not your boundaries but it's pushed your outside your comfort zone a little more and um Uh, which I think has been good for me I was Uh, I was gonna say I don't want to like brag but I think it was helpful for you um not like I'm like saying like look what I did I made him better but um you know like I definitely I think it's been like I think I do think that like it's it's good for you and for me but it's always good to you know to push yourself and to get outside of those yeah and and because that's you know I don't want to be a one note creative I want to be versatile I want to have different skills and and account and that's how I want my life to be too I don't want to be someone who just doesn't grow and doesn't try to do different things I want to learn I want to to uh, acquire new skills so and especially in the field of comics where it it's not you kind of need to have multiple skills to be in comics especially nowadays where the where it's easier for people to break in through many different mediums in many different ways that uh if you want to stand out you got to be able you got to be versatile uh but it's also just really nice to know how to do different things so yeah i'm super appreciative for it no like i mean like i said it's you've been a big help um so what uh, to i guess we're kind of winding down a little bit here um what are some what what do you what do you like about fletcher cross as a character uh i think he's cool like uh he lives out i mean he gets to experience all these new worlds and he gets to go and do really different things and it's just really cool and uh like him as a person has his issues uh but uh i I mean, I still gravitate towards the uh, character, main character who goes on an adventure and just has a blast and gets to do all these things. Like, I'm a simple man. I don't need to be, I, I don't know, everything need to, everything doesn't need to be deep. Give me fun, action, adventure, call it a day. Like, as long as it's entertaining. Uh, but, uh, I, yeah, what I like about Fletcher is that I just think I can have fun with him doing these different adventures uh and i get to relate to him on a on personal level on in different ways so yeah that's what gravitates me towards them well one other question well another question i just thought of was you do uh, we'll let you i'll let you get your plug in um you do already have experience with working with universe multiple universes and a multiverse so do you want to i'll just give you that and you can run with that um, yeah, what he's referring to is I have a webcomic uh, also through Forum Press called Natality uh, with Eric Carmen, and uh, it's uh, it's really hard to describe because a lot of the description, like if you gave it a true description, it kind of would give away some of what I've been building towards. But essentially, it's an anthology style webcomic where uh, you get to experience all these different universes, but instead of having one character like Fletcher going through all of them, uh, every single thing about each one of them is different. None of them are, are exactly alike. Um, and they all focus on different characters, different scenarios, 
Um, it just depends on what works best for that comic. Uh, different genres. Some of them are dark and tragic. Some of them are super or funny and comedic. Uh, usually the stories are one to two pages just because uh, that's uh, kind of what I wanted to do with this book. Um, and then uh, there's this underlying story that's building that's focusing on these different uh, kids that are universes in and of themselves like they are living physical embodiments of universes think eternity from marvel comics that kind of thing like uh so and i don't want to give away what will happen but all of that will eventually tie together but almost every chapter you're getting a new story featuring a new scenario with new cast that kind of stuff and uh I just wanted to try to do something really experimental uh, with it. And so, yeah, that's what we're doing with that. It really didn't dawn on me till like just now, like the similarities between the two things. I, did, I didn't even, it never Same even here. hit me. I was like, wow, that really, it really clicks. But um, so, and then the last question we're asking everyone is what, um, if you could go anywhere in the multiverse, where would you go? I really, I really didn't want to sit in a lawn chair drink a soda and watch a kaiju battle so anywhere where i can sit comfortably on a mountaintop and watch like two kaiju wreck in a city that would be that'd be a dream all right i mean that's that's simple enough as long as like as long, you're as long as you're protected you know like i mean are you i, I definitely think it'd be great to watch a kaiju battle like who, hey, give me, give me the dimensionalizer for fletcher cross multiverse awaits and i will just portal on out of there as soon as one of them starts flying exactly yeah, there you go yeah you can always stay safe that way um so derek do you want to uh let people know where they can find you or anything like that um yeah mostly just follow me on twitter on at kazakun forever uh, k-a-z-e-k-u-n forever um the, my full name on there right now is Dare Crow, was mentioned in Gizmodo once, so you'll be able to <laughs> find me pretty easily. Uh, I just, I mostly retweet stuff there, but every once in a while I'll talk. I'm not great at social media engagement, but I'm I'm getting there, so. Yeah. All right, guys, well, you can go ahead and, uh, if you haven't yet, go back to Fletcher Cross Multiverse Weights at, at bit.l. Oh. Well, go ahead. I, I also have, uh, I also write comic reviews for IndieComics.net and uh, TV and movie reviews for uh, soda and telepaths.com. So. Yep. And you can back Fletcher Cross the Multiverse Weights at bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross. And I will include the link somewhere. If you haven't backed it yet, please do because we really want to see this get made. Thanks so much. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah. So. Thanks, Derek. All right. See you again. Yeah. So, um, oh, look. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Hi, right, how's it going? Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I was worried about the technology, but it seems pretty seamless. Yeah, uh, as I say, I've never done this before with a person, and I usually have headphones to do audio, but or to do for my microphone, but it is not here. They're, they, they're here, they just, they broke, and so like they don't pair together anymore, so like it'll only work the right or only the left, and then I went to customer yeah. service, and they said, oh, we'll send you a free one, I'm pretty sure it's a scam because I don't believe that. And I looked up reviews and they're all like, yeah, it's a scam. And I was like, ah, well, shoot, I have to go buy another $50 pair of, $50 pair of headphones. Um, 
Yeah, I understand. Um, I think I chucked a half a glass of water over my keyboard earlier, and now I have no keyboard. So yeah, technology's a bastard. Yeah. No, I, I've been I've had been messing around having to have problems with my keyboard at work because I started a new job and they for some reason like they're they're using Windows Seven still. I'm I'm pretty sure it whatever Windows it is, it's old as dirt. And so like into the front USBs on the thing don't work, so I have to plug and everything's wired. There's no wireless, so I had to bring in my own wireless keyboard. And then the front USB doesn't work, so I have to use the. It's a, I am, ugh, it's crazy. But um, I mean, it's just it is what it is. You know what I mean? There's not a lot we can do about that. Um, so let's see, Jane Down Downham Dunham Downham Dunham. I don't know how to pronounce that. Someone w- was here. I waved at them. Hi, how are you? Um, so I mean, I just have some questions. We're gonna we're just we'll just talk. You know, it'll be pretty casual. About thirty minutes or so. It'll be. Whatever. Okay. If anybody comes in, we'll just answer questions. Um, I think you can. People can ask questions. Oh no, that's how I talk to people. I've never done this with someone else. I've only ever done this drawing. So we'll see how this works. Um, I think so. Possible something if there is any chat. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna. Rec- this is gonna be recorded anyway. So go ahead and start. Uh, okay. Tell us. Tell a little about yourself. Whatever you want to say. Uh, who are you? What you do? Whatever you want to say. Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Nick Ryan. I'm a comics writer from London in England. I've done about three or four one-shots, including The Little Deaths of Watson Tower with Rosie Alexander, which I did have handy just so I can wave it around, uh, because we do now have our next comic, Fairy Fair, which is on Kickstarter. I know that's not the main Kickstarter we're here to talk about, but it is another Kickstarter that is running. I got qu- I have, I'm going to talk about it later, yeah. You're good. Yeah. But yeah. And, of course, obviously, I have a story in the Fletcher Cross anthology, which is the primary comic of the conversation. And, yeah, I mostly, I get inspired by some weird combination of literary fiction and my vague memory of a philosophy degree and sort of spending a lot of time in pubs in London. There's a lot of real people encountered a supernatural in my work, I find. So, yeah, I've done a lot of that. And, yeah, that's the main thing I do. I wrote novels for a while, but that was kind of mostly because I was in my 20s and couldn't quite afford to hire artists to draw comics yet, to be honest. It was kind of a stopgap. Yeah. Uh, so, well, you just said you said philosophy schooling? I did a philosophy degree when I was like 19. So, yeah, again, I was I was young and I've now forgotten quite a lot of it, except the, the basic stuff that's like the plot of the Matrix. Yeah. I was just curious. I mean, that, that's interesting to me. I'm, I'm getting not into more philosophy. I'm getting more into like spirituality and stuff, but like just those kind of thoughts and those questions, but they're, they're really interesting to me. Um, I, I mean, this isn't one of the questions I had. Is that like been like impactful to like what you do now? Do you think? Or uh, it's been, how do you think it's helped or hurt? It's made it more ponderous, I think. Like I always, t- I, I end up always leading towards the character of having some sort of obvious dilemma. It's, it might be over, over hyping it to say that's like, based in my schooling in philosophy rather than just, you know, basic character writing. Yeah. But, yeah, like, there's a, like, I, I when I was doing the um, Fletcher Cross story, Priorities, I didn't really, I spent quite a while, I think this, for, I assume this is the same for a lot of comics writers. There was, like, a long period of smashing my head against what is this going to be about, what is this going to be about, what's the plan, what's the idea, what's the point? And then the actual writing is a quite a small percentage of the actual time spent on it because there's just quite a lot of, processing stuff and trying to work it out like once i had that idea of the you know the algorithm priorities and certain planets getting left behind the story kind of just fell in quite quickly around that so yeah i i think it tends to lead to my stuff being slightly conceptual like that but as i say maybe that's just cool writing 
Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it is, but I definitely think that, you know, having some experience in a little, in a more uh, academic sense, in a more, you know, in a more traditional setting rather than just writing it is definitely anything, you know, is going to help you become a better writer. But um, yeah. so I want to kind of backtrack and then come back to Fletcher Cross and priorities and more of that stuff and fairy fair and all that. Um, so what are like, when you're getting into comics, what's up, JC? Hi, that's my friend, JC. He's here. Um, so um, what kind of got you started with um, comics? Like what are some early comics that might've influenced you? Or I'm kind of specifically wondering in terms of, because you're from Great Britain, what are, or yeah, Great Britain, the UK. I don't know what you want to call that, what the technical term is, but. Technically, Great Britain's the main islands with England, Wales, and Scotland on it. And the United Kingdom is that island's <laughs> plus Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, to give it its full way. I always get those mixed up. I'm not the smartest. Um, <laughs> but were there any, like, specifically UK or just British comics, European comics that were maybe an influence? Because we always hear people talk about, you know, um, Marvel DC, but was there anything more specifically um, uh, over there that might have been an influence that we wouldn't always think of over here? Yeah, I mean... Weirdly, one of the first thing comics I read as a kid after I after I got past like the children's cartoon stuff was kind of sort of weirdly transatlantic. In but we had our own our own sort of UK specific Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Okay. Whether you've heard of them probably depends on how into Sonic the Hedgehog fandom you are. But yeah, like I know they but they were doing them with um, Archie comics in America for ages and ages and ages and ages. But at the same time, there was also this small company in Britain, which I think is a sort of subdivision of the company that does 2000 AD who was also doing, like, UK-specific Sonic the Hedgehog comics, which had this slightly more different, quirky vibe. There was quite a lot of Sonic fighting things that were obviously satire of cults or obviously satire of corporations. And in fairness, I haven't read any of the Archie comics, and I don't want to brutally offend any massive Archie Sonic fans. But So it's possible the Archie Sonic comics had all that as well. But, yeah, it was a very sort of strange comic. And, yeah, I read, I read that for a long time, and then I sort of discovered Spider-Man, I think. And then I I think the main comic that I ended up liking as a teenager, which sort of, I guess, drifts back towards Britain, is the old, the old Hellblazer, the old John Constantine. Okay. Which, again, I guess, comes back to what I was saying about people in cities stumbling across supernatural stuff. Because, yeah, there was yeah. A, a lot of super, a lot of Hellblazer. And then from there, from, with Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon onto Preacher, which is then, yeah, that was about the time I was getting into comics. I was a teenager around Hellblazer Preacher. And I was going to say, those are probably really... Form, I can like they're those are kind of in a way they're kind of your typical teenage boy comics you know what I mean and that they're dark and edgy and like it's not it's not your typical superhero stuff so it's like oh it's it's not that it's not good because they're both obviously very good and they're both a test last the test of time but you know what I mean that's it's definitely those are the kind of comics that definitely hit you when you're in that age if that makes sense um, oh, yeah yeah if you look into it Garth Ennis was actually only depressingly few years older than me. But he was when he was writing them. Then when I was reading, it, he was in his earlyish to mid twenties, I think, when he was writing like Hellblazer and Preacher. So, yeah, that was yeah, quite easy for him to speak to the young boy audience, I imagine. Yeah, for sure. I didn't I didn't realize he was that young. Um, what um, like what as far as you know your history with writing comics and stuff? Was there anything in particular? And this is something that I I I ask a lot of people like on my podcast and other people that I've interviewed is like. Is there a comic that you remember sticking out to you as being 
like the first one that you really remembered noticing like, oh, there's someone who made this. Like there's a writer behind this thing. It's not um, just a thing that just comes out and it's like, oh, cool, Superman did this thing today. Well, uh, yeah, I was reading the Spider-Man comics in the 90s during the Clone Saga. With a time to come into it, but yeah, and so like the entire thing was this four. These there were these four different Spider-Man comics. They were basically being written like a weekly comic, but because they all had their own writer, the style kept changing from issue to issue to issue to issue. Like, I don't, have you ever read any stuff by um, J.M. DeMatteis? Uh, maybe a little bit. I'm not really sure. I can't think he, of anything off the top of my head. He, he did a lot of Spider-Man. He co-wrote Justice League International. He did. I. I think he did some Silver Surfer and some Spectre. Anyway, yeah, a lot of his stuff is quite, quite thinky, quite quite psychological, quite philosophical. He's it, it was, it was a the point when I was, I got to the the JM DiMatteis issues and realised that Spider Man was currently was suddenly really waxing lyrical about his mental state and talking about how he felt and what what he felt. But everything that happened was happening to him was a metaphor for. And then you'd read that in like one issue of Amazing Spider-Man, then you get the next issue and it, and it was nothing like that at all. And at some point in my, my young mind, I was like, there's a difference here. I'll, I'll look at the credits. Hmm. That, that's, it. that's interesting because I've never, I've never thought about like, you know, I mean, I've always, like I had my own comics that, you know, that when I was starting out, the kind of stuck out to me is learning like, oh, like that's, I want to do that. I realized that it was more than just a book or pictures, but that's interesting that you were following something and you, you noticed the, the difference. That, like, I don't know that I would have, at least when I was a teenager, I don't know that I would have noticed those same differences between, um, you know, just reading something and noticing, like, oh, hey, this thing changed. Hi, Kevin. Kevin's here. Um, but, um, no, that's, that's really interesting. It's, I think it's a testament to you probably as a writer. Sorry, I'm not looking away. I'm drive my screen, ask questions and stuff over here. Um, I was looking at J.M. DeMatteis's, um, bibli or bibliography, I guess you call it. I don't know. Um, but Clayton's Last Hunt, which is probably the thing he's best known for. Was, yeah, there's definitely a lot. He wrote, he written a lot of movies as well. He apparently wrote the. Um, did you see the DC showcase for um, Death? The little the little shorts that DC does. I I didn't, but I know he's done in, in a lot of DC animation in his yeah, sort of exactly, yeah, that's all of that. He's done a lot of those things, which is really interesting to me because it's. Just, I think it's just interesting to see all those different um, how those people have moved between mediums, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so going from that and learning about being a writer and noticing changes in writing and how his war, like you said, wax almost not poetic necessarily, but very um, introspective. Um, like you mentioned earlier, your story in, first of all, Fletcher Cross, like, is there anything, so I don't remember how you got involved. Did I, did we reach out to you or did you reach, find us or how did that work? I think you DM'd me, I think, because we knew each other a bit from the comics jam. I think you DM'd me and asked if I wanted to pitch a story. Yeah, was there, well, what, so what about that was like, was there anything that, was it just, Hey, this is a comic project I want to pitch, and I was asked to pitch. Or was there was there anything specific that um, like was interesting to you about this? You can say no and say I hated it. I don't. I'm fine with that. But was there anything that like stuck out? I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Or was what drew you to the project? I guess. Um, 
I mean, this is not going to help with my, with any stereotypes I'm reading into as the British guy, but I think I sort of looked at it and thought, okay, there's a guy, he's got a machine, he travels between different worlds or dimensions. Yeah. I can do a Doctor Who story yeah. in this. So that's pretty much what happened. I, I, I think I've, I've described my Fletcher Cross story on, I think, Twitter maybe a couple of times as what if Doctor Who was a bit of a dick. And it's that is, I, that is kind of where I went with it, to be honest. And I, yeah, you know, no, I, I Doctor, I've seen Doctor Who. I wanted to, you know, I wouldn't say no to writing Doctor Who, so it's always it's fun to have an opportunity to do something in that wheelhouse. Yeah, uh, well, I, I want to say, I think you described it that way on Twitter at some point, and I was like, that that made me so happy. I'm not even a Doctor Who fan, but just, like, seeing... I'm Not that I'm not anti-Doctor Who, I just... There's so much of it that I, I'm too scared to get into it. Same thing with, like, Star Trek. I'm like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to... And I've had people tell me, you know, start with the... David Tennant's, and I'm just like, it's still so much. And then I'm a completionist, so I'm going to have to go back and watch the whole thing. But um, I think that's a really apt description from the few episodes of Doctor Who that I've seen, is it's it's kind of this thing, and it's, it's connected, but it's also not connected. And it's just, like you said, it's Doctor Who, he's a dick. Um, and so what about, why, what about priorities? How did that come about with you working through that um, and coming up with that concept? Because like you said, it is very there's a lot going on with the algorithm and it's, it's, it's kind of deep. I mean, it's not like something that you like can't understand, but it's, it's not just, Hey, he's on an alien planet. Ooh, he's, you know what I mean? It's more than just that. So how did that happen? Um, well, I think, I think when we first spoke, I was, I, we talked about where the story would come in the like chronology of the anthology. Sort of times. And yeah, there was, there was the sort of agreement that my story would be quite early on. I think it ended up being like the first one after your prologue. So we would go for the angle of death. That was when he hadn't really gone through any of his redemption arc yet and was, again, a bit of a dig. So, yeah, I kind of just wanted to put him into somewhere which was like in crisis and have him make it worse. <laughs> Basically, that was my bub by being a bit of an asshole. That was kind of the, that was, I think, the kind of angle I wanted. So after that, it was like, well, it's again, it's Doctor Who. He has to turn up and play with their tech. And then I needed to make up some tech. And after a lot of thinking and googling and like what is tech doing nowadays i sort of hit on the algorithm so it's sort of i think there's a logical process in there somewhere it sort of came together like that yeah well i, I mean like i said it, it's 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 very it like i i hesitate to say deep but i mean it, it's it goes more when we when i first read the script it went more in depth than i expected because like i just when i started reading i was like okay cool he's on an alien planet whatever and then it goes back and there's a backstory and there's all these different aspects to it and so many different things going into it. And it was, it's really interesting to me how far, how deep that can go. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, I don't know. It was, you did a lot in only 10 pages, which I thought was very, very good. Um, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. There was quite a lot of, you know, how much, how do I get this into 10 pages? Like I think I only ended up using one page with having, you know, an alien basically describe the backstory because it had to go in there somewhere. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, a lot of the struggle about was you know making it seem like an actual story where Fletcher did something instead of where Fletcher stands around having things explained to him. But yeah, I think it worked. yeah, eventually I got it. Yeah, it definitely works. And there's all you know, there's still there's the monster and everything in there as well. And so, um, uh, what? Um, I guess another comic, uh, another question. Well, first we'll go to you. Ha you do have, like you mentioned earlier, you do have your other Kickstarter out right now. Uh, fairy Fairy, do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Fairy Fairy is my new comic with Rosie Alexander, who 
as I say, we previously worked together on The Little Deaths of Watson Tower, which was a, a comic with a very nice um, colour cover and black and white interiors. A lot of people would, you know, pick that up at a convention table and say they'd love it if the whole comic was in colour. So, yeah, after a few years of, of prep, we're back and the whole comic is, in fact, in colour. So, I'm, yeah, we're giving the people what they want. The actual comic is, it's about a world in which the a fairy has started a sort of Uber-style app for helping people out with their problems or granting their wishes or whatever. And then, yeah, there's a couple of sisters who both work on it, and one of them is quite into it, and one of them finds it a bit sort of weird and creepy. And is yeah. magical favours for money actually a good thing? Why do they want all this money? And it sort of gets a bit like that. And again, I guess there's a bit of, again, through the medium of tech, there's some mm -hmm. philosophical questions in there, but there's also jokes, the joke about the Bidasaur doing a poo. So hopefully I've managed to balance my... But keeping keep it entertaining with going on about whatever I'm thinking about. Yeah, and it, I mean, it sounds like you're you're hitting a lot of different things because you have that, um, the technological aspect, that modern aspect, but you also have, like you mentioned earlier, like um, pubs and stuff and just like hearing supernatural, like story and things like that. And so it sounds like you're um, synthesizing it into all into like one cohesive element, which... Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of going small, then going big. So sort of going a lot of going back and forwards from them helping people out in the streets to the fairy arguing with people in their castle and back and forth and these two supporting these two uh, main characters who are just trying to sort of muddle through and pay their rent. It's trying to find a little way through it again. Yeah. Um, so what um, have you ever had a sort of supernatural experience or met anything like any fair anything like that? Have you personally, um, do you think? Honestly, no. I, I I tried to figure a story I could apply to it, but not really. I've had some slight I've, I've had some slightly odd moments when I've been very drunk, but I'm pretty sure I can blame that on being very drunk. <laughs> okay, well, I just wasn't. You know, you you kind of. Um, I, I mean, I may, maybe I'm stereotyping, but like you hear more stories from like the you know because there's more that kind of elements of those supernatural type of. Like you said, that's kind of kind of what I picture is, you know, pub and a uh, pub and some guy like kind of telling a story like, no, I swear this happened. And like those kind of things, kind of what I picture. And so I just wasn't I just wasn't sure because I think that um, sort of the possibilities of things like that are interesting, to say the least. I don't know, you know, how much any of that matters. Um, but you so is this your first time doing a Kickstarter? Uh, it's my second. My first was about a year ago, nearly a year ago, like last September. I did a comic called And It Snowed, which I don't think I, I don't have a copy of handy, but it's, it's by me and Rob Ahmed, who I've done a couple of things with, and the letters were by DC Hopkins. And it was a sort of, again, it was a sort of London-based magic story. It was about, it was a sort of, in this case, it was sort of crime. It was about these, these two people being chased through a, a snowy London by like a sort of Jack Frost Yeti figure because they'd stolen something from him for a crime lord and he wanted it back. And it was just a, it was just a one shot. It was basically this one long chase sequence with them sort of dealing with their issues with each other whilst trying not to get turned into ice calls by Jack Frost. And yeah, that was sort of self-contained and Rob Ahmed did. Yeah. He's got a nice sort of Darwin Cook-esque style, like very simple. He does a lot with like very few lines. So yeah, it came out really well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you, you just mentioned that it's a one shot. It's all in one story. And I, I, that's the first comic I did. I also did a one shot because I, I just wanted to tell one story. And I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, but what exactly, what have you learned about Kickstarter as it, 
just in general, I guess, or as it applies to comics or anything, I guess? Um, I think last, mostly I'm just trying to relax a little, which is a lot harder than it sounds, because obviously it's very easy. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I don't need to tell you this, to sort of live and die with every movement of the little numbers. Sort of yeah. an end, your life becomes an endless parade of refreshing and, blood, refreshing and having blood pressure problems. And it's just, yeah, I just, I, I'm trying not to let it go that way this time. I'm not sure how good a job I'm doing, but I, I'm trying. And yeah, yeah. yeah so. No, I was just gonna say I'm 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 really trying very hard to not be refreshing <laughs> it. Like I've I I'll put my I'm saying I'm not gonna check it for the rest of the day. And then like yesterday I was like okay I'm not gonna check I'm not gonna check. And then at the end of the day I'll check it and see what happens. And then someone messaged me he was like hey we're over a thousand dollars. I was like. Don't tell me that. I wanted to be surprised, <laughs> but um, I guess you know it's they they had good intentions, so I'm not worried about it. But it was it's just like you said, it is very it's very tense, and you do you live and die not just by the numbers, but by every single decision that you make. You know, every single tweet, every single post anywhere, you're like, is this gonna be it? Is this gonna somehow mess me up? Is some you know what I mean? It's every yeah. detail is so overanalyzed. Yeah, I think I don't think I tend to compensate for that by going overkill a bit, as a bit sort of well, I can't really post too little, I guess, so I'll just crap it all out, and, and hopefully one of them will hit. And it's not, to be honest, it's often not the ones I think that will take off that seem to take off a little bit and get you know more than two retweets. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd love to feel like I had a more um, solid grasp on what works and what doesn't, but sometimes it's yeah. just a little bit seeming random. I think the biggest challenge of doing the second one, I guess, is that uh, the very first one I did, a lot of my like real life, I guess, <laughs> friends and family really turned up in quite large numbers. And, yeah. you know, it ever be the second time. It's, it's, it's less, oh, he's doing the new exciting thing and more, oh, I see he's doing it again. And it's maybe you rely a bit less on it seeming like a big event, which is just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I that's the thing that I struggle with the most is um, having, is trying to get my to eat not to get my friends and family to be into it but also to put myself out there enough to get to actually ask them myself instead of just yeah. posting online and hoping they see it and not really wanting to you know what i mean having to actually ask someone and say hey do will you basically will you give me money to make this thing it's such such a daunting question to ask and so it's it's been difficult, but yeah, I, I I just try and treat it like a shop. I guess I try and think of it as asking for them to buy something in a shop instead of like a donation. I mean, I guess the upside of both Fletcher Crafts and my thing is in both cases the comic's basically finished. So it's not as if we're asking people to take on this like enormous risk. But yeah. hopefully one day he'll produce the comic. You know, yeah. we both in both cases we're sort of ready to go, so we can talk about it more like it's a shop, but more like you're buying something. You know, after yeah. you. You, you give us the money, we'll do it. We'll get it to you in a couple of months, hopefully. Yeah, uh, that's and I, I will say that's kind of the one thing that's more helpful than the last time I tried to run a Kickstarter and failed. Is that time I was like, well, we're trying to you know publish this big project that's seven, 16 pages or or seventy pages, and yeah. none, none of it's done. And I was now I I've, I've learned a lot since then, and I still am definitely I don't know how much I've learned from this process yet because I feel like I'm doing kind of what I'm supposed to do or more of what I'm supposed to do. Maybe it's just next time and stuff like that. But um, I don't, it's, 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 a, there's a lot of different factors involved. Um, 
But I, I have a, a question that I want to ask just because, and this is unrelated to any of that, but it's literally just one that I was, when I was, I was, before this, I was looking at one of my own scripts and was um, doing some concept art for one of my next things that I'm going to do on my own. And um, so I, I'll just ask the question and see your thoughts. Um, when, I, when I'm writing a book or, a, you know, any project, I, I really go deep into the backstory of the characters, you know, like, and so I know, like, hey, they're from this, they like, th they, they like this kind of music, they have this type of personality, because this happened to them in their childhood. I mean, I don't have like their whole life planned out, but I have a lot of details. And so, like, do, should you put all of those details into the book in order to flesh out a character? even if those details are just exposition because you're building the character more, but you're also just adding fluff and it doesn't add to the story. And so I'm kind of trying to balance those two aspects because like I said, I have all these details, but I don't want to just shove in a whole bunch of stuff just because. Yeah. I think, I think it's best not to try and put it all in just because it's there. I think, like, I've had a book about dialogue once that say you have basically two types of dialogue in, like, scripted mediums. You have, like, necessary dialogue and fun dialogue. And, you know, dialogue that has to be in there to advance the plot, stuff that, like, in some ways kind of veiled exposition. And fun dialogue where characters are just talking to each other and it gets some idea of, like, what they're like or what they're all about. And I think the good, the good thing about having loads and loads of back details like that, which to be honest, sounds like it's something you're better at than I am, but I do, I try and come up with it. Um, it's, is that when you do fun dialogue like that, I think it's, it comes across as a lot more convincing and meaningful. If it sounds like the characters actually have like interests and experiences rather than just one of them going, how are you? I'm a grumpy person. And the other one going, I am happy about the situation. You know, it's very, yeah. it, it comes across as quite shallow. So I think having characters who are able to talk in about their like, their interests and their ideas with specificity, I guess you'd say, with actual details is, I think, that's when it comes across as a strength, I think. You don't want to dump it in in a load, but you want to have it there for these sort of fun dialogue moments. Yeah, that's, that's I like, I like I'm, I try to do that. It's just, it's hard to find that balance, you know, between what is necessary and what's just, or what's necessary for me, like what, what, what do I think is necessary versus what is, really necessary for a reader because you know we when we're writing we know all this stuff and so i have to figure out how much do i need to put in for them to get it yeah i mean that's i mean yeah that's when i get to cut a lot of necessary dialogue to be honest that's kind of the upside of it like i sometimes i get the art back i can see that the thing that i'd had someone say is actually quite clear so i just chuck it out i guess the hope is that you can cut a lot of necessary dialogue and maybe that frees up more time for fun dialogue or something like that but yeah, ultimately, I have to give it to people who haven't seen the scripts and see if they understand it. That's usually my only really way about that. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's one thing that really helps me is um, because I usually letter a lot of my own stuff. So it allows me to, and I'm not the best letterer, but it allows me to, um, you know, it allows me to almost edit myself the yeah. second time around and be like, hey, this doesn't either like space-wise, like this physically won't fit in the bubble or in the panel or... It's just like, hey, there's this just dialogue just doesn't make sense anymore. Because usually by the time I'm lettering, it's been two or three months since I did the script. And so now I'm like, I've had all this time to, like, I'm almost looking at it fresh, you know, like I've never seen it before. And so I yeah. think that really helps. Oh, yeah, I, I can feel, feel like envy of that, definitely. Because obviously the one big downside of being a writer who can't 
gore at all, really, is that you do get a certain amount of, will this amount of dialogue fit in a panel? Let's yeah. send it off and yeah, that yeah, I, and I don't, I don't even, I don't draw most of the stuff that I do. But what I do draw, that even that extra element, like the drawing plus the lettering, it's that much more time to make changes and edits. And I can be, I can, I've learned like, hey, I can put this this dialogue that they're going to mention. I can add a detail in the art that conveys enough of that point that I don't even need to have this have this bubble anymore. And so I can I can mix things up. And so having all those extra steps really, um, you know, it really makes things a lot easier and saves a lot of time. Yeah, like I usually try and do like a draft of the lettering off the art just to try and do that mm -hmm. stage, just to try and go, right, okay, I don't need that. I can't fit that. Like I've heard like stories from Marvel and DC writers about how, you know, they'd, they send off a script to an artist who they've never spoken to and they never see it until the finished comic comes out. And that sounds yeah. a hell of a moment to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm of two minds about that because I also am not a huge fan of, like, when artists are constantly like, hey, here's this page, check this page, check this one, check this one, check this one. Because I'm like, I, because on one hand, I'm glad that they want to give me support, but on the other hand, I'm like, no, I want you to, I want you to have some input here. You know, I want you to have some kind of, some of your own ideas. And so, like, kind of, like, I want them to kind of go for it a little bit as well. You know, I don't, I'm not a, at least in my writing, I'm not a very, like, this panel looks this way, like Alan Moore, you know, like, this thing has to be this specific thing, and this has to be in this frame, and all these things. I'm not that detail-oriented, so I think I want them to kind of have a say in that. So, but there's both sides. Yeah, I think, and I like to see, like, something at a sort of rough stage, just to make sure the story is yeah. in there. There have been times where it's just like, oh, the story hasn't, isn't coming across properly, either because they haven't understood it, or because I've explained it badly. Some or some combination of the two usually. Yeah, you know, there are times when having you know a look at a rough draft of the art has absolutely saved my ass. So uh, I probably wouldn't give it away. But yeah, I try not to be too backseat and overbearing about it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, like I think layouts. Have, I've learned in the past year that layouts are really helpful, just in terms of me drawing and in terms of seeing the art. But like pencils, I'm like, you do the pencils because I don't want to. Also, I feel bad making them correct something that they sent that long on it if it's if it'll do the job. Just because it's not perfectly what I had in mind, you know, it doesn't mean we have to completely change it because it can still work. Um, so I, I have two more questions. Um, first of all, what's your what would you say is your goal in making comics? Um, it's one of those things that really evolves from year to year. Obviously, 10, 15 years ago, this answer would probably have had the word Spider-Man in it. Um, nowadays, I'd honestly just like to be able to make comics sustainably, I guess, like the one you know, I know artists deserve to be paid and stuff, but it would be nice. It would be nice if I could get the Kickstarter thing, or the working with a publisher thing, or some combination of the two, to a point where, it, where I can produce comics in a way that doesn't require the massive personal investment aspects, because that's mm -hmm. a big limiting factor to me. So I mostly just want it to become something I could do, really, without it having to plan my personal finances around it to quite as big an extent. And that's really my main goal at this point, and that may end up to be honest, may probably end up involving a publisher at some point, or maybe just a lot of Kickstarters, one or the other. But I'm, I'm flexible about how it happens. Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of where a lot of people are at. Like, especially if you ask them seriously, like, everybody's going to say, you know, well, obviously, yeah, I want to write a Marvel or DC book, obviously. But, like, yeah. my real goal is just to be able to make comics sustainably. Like you said, I feel like that's kind of the universal best goal. Um, for everyone to have you know it's, it's it's attainable 
And it's also, I think, satisfying on a personal yeah. level. Yeah, but obviously I'm not going to say no to Spider-Man if he knocks at the door, but I, yeah, yeah. I, that, that, that's the main goal, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then um, last question, if you could travel anywhere in the multiverse, where would you go? <laughs> um, honestly, the boring answer is back to, is I, I guess that's technically time travel, isn't it? Go back to myself in my 20s and tell him to just skip the novels and move straight onto comics, but that's cheating. Um <laughs> Um, I don't know, having, having read the Fletcher Cross apology you put a few days ago, it's really good by the way, you should all back it on Kickstarter if you're watching this, yeah. um, I think the one that appealed to me the most was probably... I don't know. I quite like the one in the jungle with the pterodact with the pterodactyls and the people running away through the t running away in the temple and stuff. That was yeah. looks like the most fun to visit. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That, that, that seems one of the most fun. It's, as long as you get there after the whole takeover thing, which I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything. But after you, if you get there after that story takes place, I think it'd be very interesting. Before yeah, it doesn't have really to spend some time as long as no one's actually trying to kill you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of them would be interesting, especially. I mean, like priorities would be pretty interesting too but i mean as long as there's not you know a world-ending apocalypse you know on your hands well yeah uh, the whole, that's part of the whole premise it looks like the other worlds have quite a nice time <laughs> exactly um i guess nick that's all i have for you uh thanks for talking to me thanks for all this i mean it's been a good time i appreciate you working on the project um you know hopefully we get our funding and we can get everybody with the the or your copies of the book and everything like that and um, to anybody else, uh, you can back, uh, back Fletcher Cross the Multiverse Ways at bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross with a link to my bio or Twitter, our, my Twitter, his Twitter, anywhere. You can find it somewhere. Ask me. I don't know. I'll get it to you. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Have a good day. Have a good one. See you. Yep. Appreciate it. All right. I am here with Kevin Lentz. He is a letterer. Um, he's just a Great guy all around, really big help. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? A little bit of all right, you know, and pretty good day. Um, so like I said before, you, you're a letterer, which we don't talk, people don't think of a lot, you know, in comics and you're definitely underappreciated. I will be the first to admit that. Well, thank um, you. Yeah. Um, I mean, no problem. Like I said, I, it's something I've been like, you know, I've been trying to like do it a little bit more and the, I, art i don't want to say the art of it but like the there's more to it than just putting words on a page you know um yep. so i guess the first question what like what is kind of been your experience with like why that like was is it like was it did were you ever like trying to be a writer or an artist or like what made that be your focus or is that not your focus am i oh, completely sure. off base no, that's a, that's a good first question. Um, yeah, no, I actually got started. Um, I took some classes with Comics Experience. It's a, it's a group that was founded by Andy Schmidt. He's a former Marvel and uh, IDW editor. And um, I've been with them for about 10 years now as, as a member of that group. And I took several classes. And the first classes I took were writing classes because I loved reading comics all growing up. Um, and, I, and I saw it and I was like, all right, I'll try my hand at writing. And, and that was fun. And then I discovered like, like everybody who starts to make comics is, oh yeah, there's a letterer involved in yeah. this. You always hear the writer and the artist and, and that letterer always, you know, kind of gets left out. 
Um, but then I realized, oh, that's, that's super important. So um, I took some classes. I got together with some friends of mine. We made our own comic. It's called Team Slug. It's about a group of slugs in a World War II. They fight against the evil hedgehog hegemony. Uh, and as we were making that, we, we knew we had to go get an artist, but I thought, you know, I can, I can take a crack at lettering this. Um, cause I had taken a lettering class uh, through Thomas experience. Uh, Dave Sharp was the instructor and he is, he is a fantastic letter. He's worked, uh, for Marvel for years. I'm not sure what other companies, but he's, he is an active letterer now. Yeah. Anyway, when we, when I took that class, they said, Hey, of all the classes you can take here, this is the one you can actually make money with because it's really hard to break in as a writer, like to actually get somebody to pay you for your writing. Um, but when people are putting together a book uh, and they're, if they're hiring people, you can letter stuff and you can pick up, you know, you're not going to get rich doing that, but I was like, okay. So, uh, and you can also save yourself money if you can letter your own stuff. Yeah. So I lettered our own book. We did six issues of that. Um, and then I just started, started doing more of them. And I just, I like it. It's, it's interesting. Um, one of the interesting things about being a letterer is you always get different stories and different art styles. And so you've got to come in, like you, you called it an art, and I would agree with that. Um, you've got to be able to come in there and change your style to match whatever those other two pieces are. So it's a, it's a fun challenge. Each story a letter is different, and it's uh, it's fun. Yeah, I mean that sounds uh, you know similar to kind of what I where I'm at with lettering is just like oh it's got to get done, <laughs> and I can do it, and obviously I'm still improving we're all still improving and so like it's it's like i was kind of the same thing just like i i might as well do it like i can do it i have the i have the technology we have the technology but um you know it's it's available to me so why not go for it um were there um any but for i guess what were some of the, you said you start you were always been reading comics what were some of those comics you were reading like growing up or whatever um, when I started off my first comic, I got a little, my grandmother bought me a little three pack of, of comics, you know, bound at, at the yeah. convenience store or whatever. It was a, it was a Conan story, a DC peacemaker, which I think he's actually getting his own show yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and then E, E-Man, he was not He-Man, E-Man, he okay. was like energy, it's old, old DC title. Um, and then from that, really, at uh, when I was in middle school, um, friends of mine loaned me some X Men comics, and I was like, "This is awesome!" And so I've been—I'm a, a dyed in the wool Marvel fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm familiar enough with DC stuff, but uh, make mine Marvel. So yeah. Well, was was there ever a point with that that the did the when you were growing up, did the lettering ever stick out to you? Where did you ever notice that? Did you ever take note of like there is a letterer, like or yes. anything like that? I guess I did because sometimes in the letters columns. In, um, not lettering, but the letters columns yeah. that were in the back, people would call out letterers. Um, Tom Orzakowski, or Orzakowski, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I remember he was on the X-Men run I was reading at the time, he was lettering. And so people were calling him out. Someone at one point, even in the letters column said, hey, I noticed uh, some graffiti in, in the art. You know, the X-Men are uh, walking by a street and there's some graffiti on the wall. And it had his name or like his initials and a number by it. And they said, oh, does that mean like this is your whatever your 200th issue or something like that and it was and so they had noticed that in the background that he had put in there, not the artist but he'd put that in uh and so yeah i was like okay i get that there's another person there one of my favorite sound effects was uh rogue it was rogue dazzler and Longshot. they're all fighting juggernaut mm -hmm. and he was walloping on there and then rogue was was strong at that time and she, she punched him and the sound effect that the letterer used was the word rambo 
which just made me crack up because it was it was a uh, a mask. So like the art, the panel was a long wide panel, but the word Rambo covered the whole thing and it was kind of cut out. Yeah. So there's wider. So yeah, I, and that made me giggle just the sound of her punching him and going Rambo. Yeah. Uh, and then so so yeah, I guess I I noticed um, some of it there, but it wasn't. It really wasn't until I started you know diving into the idea of creating comics that I realized oh this is way more involved than i thought it was yeah uh for sure um well like what i guess what is there any books now that you can think of either not not either comic books like an actual like a graphic novel or something like that or a a a a, a, i don't know what you call it like a, a study book something to use to to help with that like is there a certain book that like you've read like I said either a comic book or just something just text that has yeah. helped you uh, a great place to start is at Blambot uh, Nate mm-hmm. Picos is um, fantastic and he is active letter he's a uh, Eisner award winner he does he really supports indie comics because he has tons of free fonts on his website professionally designed uh, free and a free license so he says hey if you're an independent creator you can go ahead and use these he's got lots of paid stuff and I, I bought stuff from him but he's got um, he's got lots of tips and, and stuff on his website and he's even got a book coming out, I think in October, um, kind of just all about lettering, but for the most part, I just kind of picked it up on the teaching side is, is picking it up. You know, as someone yeah. put out a good, you know, good blog post or a good, you know, Instagram feed that shows, Hey, there's, there's some techniques and styles, um, just to pick up the conventions of it, stuff like, oh, make sure you, if you have the letter I in the middle of the word, don't have crossbars on it, you know, so be mindful of that. So those, those little things um, kind of all up to that, add up to that knowledge of, hey, this is how good lettering is. Um, and there's for comics that have a, a good model to that, um, that's a little harder to find because it's, a good letterer is uh, invisible most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, know, you know, nobody picks up a book and goes, "Whoa, did you yeah. hear that new story coming out?" I don't care who it's about or who drew it. Let's go look at the lettering. Nobody does that, uh, so it's a little harder to, to notice that stuff if you're not actively looking for it. Um, one book I really love is Asterios Polyp by uh, David Mazzucchelli, and he, I think he did everything. He wrote, drew, and lettered it, and that has got the whole art style is very. Um, very interesting, very, very fluid. It's got all different styles in it. And he's got lettering that matches that. So that one's a great one to go look at and get inspiration on. Uh, but honestly, what I'll do is whatever I'm reading, uh, either physically or digitally, if I see something that stands out to me, I'll just, I'll snap a screenshot of it and say, this is a great example of a sound effect. Or uh, there was an issue of Lumberjanes that had, they'd all fallen down a well and the lettering, they were at the bottom of the well talking but the word balloon is at the very top and the tail actually traced down like the, the shoot they had fallen all the way down to them at the bottom. And that's yeah. just, that was a cool effect. So, so you can find interesting effects like that all over the place. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, this is one question really quick. Is there anything else like that along those lines of, like you mentioned the uh, no crossbars in the eyes, if it's in the middle of a word, which that's something I just started noticing and paying attention to more recently. Um, have you ever, or are there any other tips like that? Like just quick, easy things like that, like that will elevate it. Oh, sure. Um, and I'll, and to add on to that, I would say the, the, if you're creating a comic, the, this is my soapbox for creators everywhere. You need to involve your letterer at the, at the rough art stage. 
as soon as the artist starts laying down thumbnails, you need to call your letterer yep. and say, look at this, because letterers can start their work on the rough art. Hey, I can, I can throw down some chunks. I can say there's going to be a sound effect right here. And that is so useful because you then hand that back to the writer and the artist and you say, look, here's how this is going to play together on the page. And the writer, you can say, hey, look, hey, you've written some great words, but they are taking up too much space in this panel. Hey, artist, that's a beautiful picture, but it's going to get covered up with these words. So, so let's talk now how we're going to make that work. Um, and it's at that point where you can get like, like you'd ask some tips. Um, make sure the characters are in the proper speaking order in the panel. So you read here in Western comics, we read top to bottom, left to right. So if you've got two people in a panel talking, the person who speaks first, they got to be standing on the left because otherwise you've got the balloons and the, the tails are going to cross. And it's, it's just, and that it's so easy to fix that at the, at the thumbnails stage. If you wait till the art is final, that's your, then you got to talk to artists and convince them to try to switch around. Yeah. So, so yeah, make sure your, your characters in the right speaking order, um, make sure the action flows. That's another thing letter does is they're, they're really trying to guide the reader's eyes down the page, uh, left to right, top to bottom. So, so that would be another trick is, is make sure you've got those word balloons in the proper order yeah. that you want them to be read and that they're going to connect with the speakers. Mm. Well, I, I, was, I will say that's one thing that you, you've definitely gotten me on is um, doing work or at least it's different when I'm like for my webcomic outlaw country, I do everything. I write, draw, letter, everything, mm. the whole thing. So it's a little different there because I can kind of make adjustments yeah. as I go and you can visualize it, control it as you go. But yeah. like with um, like with the anthology, which I'll get to in just a second, um, I I told I was talking to Derek and told him the same thing. Like, hey, was he, he was going to letter something? I said, get the pencils because you can mm -hmm. letter at the pencils. Yep. One, you can check if it's going to work, but two, it also saves you time because I mean, if you're doing it like you know digitally, you can just drag and drop it and it's in there. You know, oh, yeah. so it saves time as well. Um, and another, just another thing to add on to what you said, letterers and colorists and inkers, I think are all kind of the same way in that bad ones, you can kind of tell, yep. but a good one, you can't tell. It's you, you can tell in that it elevates it, but it doesn't, you don't notice it. Exactly. Like coloring it's, it's the same seamless. Way. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I said, coloring inkers, those are all the same thing where you don't think about it, but until it's bad and then when you notice you're like yo that lettering's kind of not right. bad. yeah yep. and so yeah definitely that um, and one other question before i move on to the more of the anthology side of things um or other projects um have you ever done any hand lettering or <laughs> all digital it's all digital and that's actually as i as i write my list of goals as a letter mm -hmm. that's one of them is to learn how to hand letter um that and create my own font which and some stuff i've heard from other too. editors is that's that make those two things happen at the same time make a make a font of your own handwriting yes is a great place to start yeah. and, and to try to learn that out um now hand lettering would be cool uh get myself a little aims wheel and, and figure out how that all yeah. works uh but no i have not yet yeah I I, I, yeah i looked at, i've looked into it as, as well and i was just like i don't i no, no it's, not, not gonna happen it's tricky <laughs> yeah it's just it's not my handwriting is already garbage enough like i don't want to have to pay that close of attention that it's just no, not not for me. Um, yeah. But you are involved a lot with the Comic Jam. I'll start there. Yep. Um, you've it seems like I, I've kind of drifted in and out of it over the past three or four years. And um, it seems like late, at least lately, the past year or two, you've kind of taken more of a role in it. And yeah. so do you want to like talk about that at all at the Comic Jam or your oh, sure. role in it or any of that stuff? 
Yeah, absolutely. The Comic Jam, uh, it's it's it is one of the best groups I've found on the internet for actually creating comic. There, there's there's plenty of groups out there that talk about comics or you know discussions are good or hey look at this character I drew. But at the Comic Jam, everybody gets together and we put out new comics every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been with them for two or three years now. And, and yes, you, as you know, it's recently, um, I mean, the pandemic, like everything else, just kind of derailed a lot of the stuff. Um, but that was one thing is, you know, af- as we were stuck inside and starting to try to hey, figure out what to do, I was like, I'd, I'd like to pour into this more because I really enjoy it. So I talked with um, Casey Allen is is the he's one of the founders, I think, and he's one of the top administrators now. So I reached out to him and said, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to help just with some of the organization and kind of getting the stuff on track because so the, the rhythm in the comic gen is everybody in the group uh we vote on a theme every single week everybody throws in their suggestions we all vote top theme wins it and then we have six weeks to make a, a one-page comic so the writers get one week to write the script the artist gets four weeks the letter gets one week and then we publish and we do that every week so every time every day you come to the comic jam you're working on something you're either writing a story doing your art doing your lettering uh getting critiques improving your craft that's a that's a big thing we do uh everybody in the comic jam has has wildly different skill levels and that's excellent because we are all coming together and learning from each other and making stuff better and and getting to practice that every single week just just makes you better so um so yeah so that's that's kind of what i'm doing again i'm not i'm not running the whole thing it's casey and alex and summer and i are the the admins right now but um but yeah it's a great it is a great group uh real supportive and we put out good stuff and you can see them all at thecomicjam.com. Yeah. new comics every week. Yeah. I mean, I like, for one, I, I wasn't aware. I didn't know how, how many people were involved in more of that side. I was only aware of Casey, but I, no offense to him, but I imagine that he really appreciated having you step in there because there were times, yeah. like I said, no offense <laughs> to him, but there were times where it seemed like it was a lot. And cause I know yeah. he, he does a lot of stuff, not just within the comic jam, but in other things too. And so it's like, I imagine he really appreciated that. And one thing I like about it is that, like you said, you can come back every week, but you're also not pressured to come back every oh, week. Oh yeah. There's no, yeah. there's no deadline. There's no, you sign like, it's kind of one of those, you know, Hey, you signed up for this. Like we'd appreciate if you did it. But hmm. I mean, like I, I, like I said, I've popped in and out in like the last I've did, I've done about, I think in the last I've done three, four stories, I think over the past like month or so. And those have just been like me randomly. Oh, Hey, I have a little time. Let's just, yeah. I want to work on my lettering and they need stuff lettered. And like you said, it really is good how it works at every skill level. Cause you yeah. have people in there who've published, like who are pretty well established. Yeah. And then you have other people who like me, when I first started have never made a comic in their life. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'll make this one page comic for you. And then, and actually I'm going to use this as a segue. Cause my first two comics that I did were for, were, were as an artist with Derek writing and me and Derek have organized this new anthology. Uh, Fletcher Cross, The Multiverse Awaits. So um, what about the project? And no pressure, but, you know, I kind of invented it. Um, did you, it, what about the project was interesting to you about Fletcher Cross or just like the the way the anthology set up? Anything, was there anything specific that stuck out? I'm not doing this because I want compliments. I'm just genuinely like. It just, Greatest anthology in the world. Exactly. Everybody Thank should you. buy it now. Good, good. Yes. Um, now, we'll, now we'll pay him, guys. <laughs> <I'll> say, <"Whoo." laughs> um, so, yeah. So for Fletcher Cross Anthology, you you put out the call for it. Um, and a lot of times, like you did, the call was for writers and artists or a creative team. And so I got, I actually, I don't remember. I think all of them, all of the creative teams 
reach out to me. Or I can't remember if you handled I, it. I, I, I put them out because we had some people who were doing their own lettering. Me yeah. and Derek were doing some. And then you had mentioned, hey, if you need a letter, which you've done on several other projects. I think you did it yeah. on my pa- Pandemics and Panels anthology last year. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. so like, just you just kind of reached out and were like, hey, if you need a letter. And so I, did, I need a letter. And so that, yeah. that's how that happened. But so, and that's, and that's fun. So I actually have, I have four stories mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in there that I've lettered. Um, and it, one thing that appeals to me is that uh, about this anthology in particular is that it, it kind of matches what I said before and that it's all different styles. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've got your common theme. Hey, Fletcher's got this, this dimensionalizer. He's hopping through the universe and time and then he's exploring all this stuff. And so you got that as the, the through line. But then each place he goes is just a completely different setting for, for time and, and event. And so then that just feeds naturally to you get different writers and different artists takes on things. So for this anthology, that, that means I get four completely different styles to work on, which is interesting. That That's what I like um, in well, that it, it has could, that kind of feel to it. If I could just interrupt you real quick on that topic. Um, what exactly like how do you pick like how do you I, like you obviously it depends on the story, but how do you like develop a style or pick a font based on a story because i feel like i know i i'm trying to break myself of this habit but a lot of people kind of tend to go to that typical comic font and just that's what i do and here's my letters and here's my balloons are pretty much the same every time you know it's very how do you kind of how do you do is there do you have anything on that because i it's something i'm interested in as far as getting a lettering style to match a story yeah, no, that is, that is the most fun part um, for me because uh, you're right. There, there is a basic, I mean, there's a basic shape to a comic balloon. Mm-hmm. There's some basic fonts that work well as, as dialogue fonts. You can read them well. Um, so for those I have, I, I don't want to letter it the same way, especially in an anthology where I've got four stories. I don't want people looking going, these look identical. Um, so I've got a list of fonts that I use, uh, ones that I know are good dialogue fonts. I also keep a pretty detailed spreadsheet of all the stories I've ever done. So I can, I can look and I can, it's a spreadsheet so I can sort them and say, oh, look, yeah. I've used this particular font six times and I've used this in only two. So I need to stay away from that six, even if it's not in the same book, I'm going I'm to go with this one instead. Uh, and then to me, it's about, it's the sounds. I, I'm sure I, I bother my family some because I want, I want to, I want to talk in the way the characters mm-hmm. talk. Um, I want to make the sound effects out loud and see kind of what they, mm-hmm. they sound like. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of it, so much of it is driven by by the art style and what the characters are doing based on what the writer has said. So so in the case of Fletcher, you know, he's he's always kind of fish out of water. He's like, well, what do I do? You know, this is a new situation. And I think I got a handle on it, but then something throws him for a loop. Um, so he's got a, a kind of a much more consistent you know, conversation to him, but then like in priorities, I've got an alien race. That's all, you know, they're trying to figure out the computers and stuff. Um, and Meridian, it's all, it's all pirates, uh, Fletcher and the tots it's, it's kids. And so try to find if you've ever got a more, I don't know, more organic thing, you know, an alien creature, I find fonts that are squigglier or wavier, mm-hmm. or, you know, not as harsh edged. If you've got a robotic voice talking, okay. Yeah. You want, you want a hard edge. You want, you know, sharp points on that kind of stuff. Um, and that just takes looking at looking through font libraries and saying, no, oh, this, this one, you know, works. And there's no, there's no rules for that. You, you try one, you see if it works out well, you show it to the rest of the creative team and say, Hey, what do you think of this? Um, and they'll let you know. So, um, and the same for balloons, you know, if, if someone's just given a straight narration, 
um, that happened in priorities. Hey, I'm going to give you the backstory of what's going on here. Those are going to be pretty regular, you know, uh, font. There's nothing at that moment. There's nothing that needs to stand out from the lettering. That's that's information that needs to get to the reader. So that needs to be as basic as possible. Um, in priorities, the monster that's he's eaten up the city mm-hmm. while they're doing this stuff. So I've got big sound effects on him. They're real rough and organic. They're they're pink like he is. Um, to me, that's the, the fun part of trying to match that that, uh, that stuff for them. Well, I mean, like I said, it's it's that's something that, like I mentioned earlier I'm, that I'm just now kind of getting myself to do as far as like picking different fonts. Because in one of the stories that I lettered for this for Sonya, like there's the lizard people and I made sure to use a different font for when they're speaking. And like and that's something I hadn't really done before. And so it's just it was interesting to try. And you, I can I could tell just a little bit that I did. I was like, OK, yeah, that, that definitely does give you a different vibe to compared to the way Fletcher is talking this whole time. And the so, biggest one is probably in uh, in the tide. That's where um, it's that Cthulhu kind of yeah. mythos story. And so, yeah, Fletcher gets roped into accidentally being the, the final catalyst yeah. to unleash this hideous creature. And he's nasty. So I'm like, I'm going all out. So I picked a crazy font. I gave him a solid black balloon. The, the edges of it are all ragged um, to really kind of reinforce that this is an, this is an otherworldly thing that's coming. Um, and I say for me, that's the stuff I like. I like picking something that's really going to stand out like that yeah i mean you can definitely tell that it's that you do appreciate the both appreciate the art form of it and are trying to do more with it um uh what so i guess as we kind of wind down here what are one what would you say is like your goal within comics like what how would you describe that Mm, i i really would i like i like being involved in lots of different projects um, like the stuff at the Comic Jam, like this anthology. Um, I just like that. I like kind of building up my portfolio. Hey, look, I, I got to I got to be on all these different things. Um, I would love it if I could letter something for the Big Two, um, for Marvel or DC. I know that's a pretty that's a pretty narrow pool. My chances of that are uh, are not great. But um, if I never get that, that's okay. But but that would be nice to to be able to as I line up all the books on my shelf and say, hey, I, I had a hand in making all these. Yeah. You know, come alive. Just to kind of nice do a little bit of everything yeah. and to ex- ex- be involved in all of it. I, yeah, I definitely like that. That, um, that and hand lettering. I gotta get to yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and so last question we have, uh, we have, and we're going to be, at, we're asking this to, of everyone. Um, if you could go anywhere in the multiverse, where would you go? Not necessarily within the anthology, but just in general. If you could go to any, is there a specific thing? Where, where does that, what does that question make you think of? Wow, that is crazy. And all right, you hit me with a long one. Is there Again, a TV another... show or a comic maybe you want to go to? Maybe you want to go to the DC, maybe somewhere like that, or is there you know something DC like that? Fix their lettering. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, all right. So the nerd in me would say, Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to I want to go, I want to hop into the X-Men's world, I want to go to Xavier's school yeah. for gifted youngsters, I want to walk the hall, see what that's like. Um, but that changes so much in the comics. You never yeah. know where oh, now it's in Central Park, well, now it's in limbo, well, now it's in space, well, now it's on a big plant. Yeah. Um I don't know if I would enjoy that that much, but yeah, I don't know. I might stay with our reality, but just hop around in time because uh-huh. I think that would be interesting. I'd love yeah. to go back and see Battle of Hastings and, and, uh-huh. and castles and things like that. That would be All cool. Right. But for the Fletcher Cross universe, not priorities because yeah, their world, no, no spoilers, they're, they're in yeah, trouble there. Yeah, not the not. tide. That wouldn't be trouble too. 
Tots might be a nice place to it, it'd be a, It'd be a little weird, but I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be as bad as some of the other options. It's some of the other yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Meridian. No, that was, that was, that was a pretty one. Yeah. That'd be, be a pirate. There's a little bit of, there's there. a little weird stuff going on there, but you know, nothing, nothing too outlandish, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Kevin, that's all we have for you. Um, really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate you talking about, uh, or talking about lettering and just for helping out with the anthology and good luck sure and everything with uh, the comic jam and all that. So thanks so all much. Right. Thanks, Kevin. Everybody else, go back uh, Fletcher Cross at bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross. And that is it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this, um, you know, Frankenstein together last minute episode of Comics Unscripted. I was going to release these anyway as an episode, but because um, some plans fell through, we had to put it out today and here we are. So uh, thanks for listening. Like I said before, if you haven't backed us yet, you can back us at Forum Fletcher bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Um, bit.ly slash Fletcher Cross is the link to the Kickstarter, or you can find us on Twitter at FPress Comics, Instagram at Forum Press Comics, and at forumpresscomics.com. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes coming up. I have some some plans, I hope, that will that'll come to fruition here, and it'll be a lot easier if we can get Fletcher Cross funded. So go back the project, and thanks for listening.